Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by WinBet. Download the WinBet app today. Enter our promo code 444. Receive a risk-free $1,000 bet. I'm Ryan Noonan. Joined as always here by Connor Allen. Connor, what's going on, buddy? Happy uh, Happy Friendsgiving. Yeah, yeah, no, this is great. Uh, it's been, uh, this is now an annual episode, I guess. Uh, since we, this is the second time we're doing it with uh, our guest today, John Daigle of NBC Sports Edge. Uh, still a little bit of a mouthful, but I think I got through it there. JD, how you doing, man? Everything going well. I had much more champagne in my body flowing through my veins <laughs> last year. Uh, I tried to catch up a little bit this year. My cheeks are a little red from some smoked maple whiskey I have going on. Nonetheless, I'm still holding myself really well just because I have a show. One show had to bump for me and the other one did. So uh, here we are on your show first. The other show will get me slurring on my words. (laughs) I'll be a fun one. Tune into Roto Grinders to get Daigle's deep dive DFS thoughts with, uh, with Reeves, you can't beat that show every week. So we very much appreciate it. Douglas is a good sign because anytime Connor uh, usurps me for the introduction, that means he is excited about the guest. So um, since he went ahead and, and you know undercut me, uh, that means he's ready for you to be here. He's excited. Oh, undercut you. Sometimes I just forget what I'm going to say, and then I don't have anything else to do besides. No, I'm saying that there's a strong correlation between you being <laughs> amped up for the guest specifically. You just jump right into it. It's fine. It's fine, yeah. but it's always indicative of kind of where you're at in the day, and I think that that's a good sign for our guests, so I thought I would let him know. I'm also going to pour myself a little bit of uh, this beautiful tequila that uh, Daigle himself purchased for me as a gift a couple weeks ago. It's the best way to enjoy I can't enjoy it with his company uh, for a couple more weeks till he comes back home or whatever. Um, which, which, is- which actually might be happening. I, I believe Brother Rahul is searching for a apartment for us. Yeah. together which i i'm not in the age nor the lifestyle of wanting a roommate but i guess i am well, actually i guess i am in the lifestyle since my lifestyle is not being ever there so that's <laughs> why i, I kind of need a roommate to keep up with the place while i'm gone so it makes sense at this time in my life so i might be back in chicago um there there are just a lot of moving pieces in every aspect of my life there are a lot of moving pieces right now we've talked about this we know you open doors here uh at the noonan uh, manor as much as you want, you know, couches are not as comfortable as I'm sure beds, but uh, we're happy to have you whenever we can. So, well, the, the thing also about, although I do appreciate the offer, and I probably will take you up on it days we have to wake up early for tea times. Um, the issue is that you also have a wee one that is as big as me and probably louder <laughs> than me now as well. And he only sleeps in the afternoon as opposed to night. So, that's the only issue, although I do appreciate the offer. Yeah, he's not a huge fan of sleeping, but he's not as large as Daigle, which that we've had that discussion multiple times, folks. Allegedly, Daigle at the six, seven month mark, right, was that was was a thirty seven pound baby. And, and I can't I can't wrap 30, my brain around that. It was thirty seven pounds at seven months. Let's see you got the picture. Oh, it was so good. So good. Right the here. biggest chunk on earth. The happiest child you've ever seen in your life is right there. That's da- that's little Daigle, little Daigle, because my guy Dagle. is six, almost seven months now. But we are ninety seventh percentile in weights and ninety ninth percentile in length. I guess they call it since he can't stand up on his own fully yet. Um, yeah, so he's not missed a meal. He eats an incredible amount, and and somehow Daigle is like double his size. He's like twenty two pounds, but Daigle is pushing 
40 LBs. So, well, <laughs> hopefully he grows into an offensive lineman and makes millions of dollars because I grew up just to talk shit about Connor. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't pay as much. Uh, just as entertaining, though. I mean, I'm sure it's quite it just as well. Yeah, the people watch. Same thing. <laughs> good. Well, we could do this for for hours, but uh, you know, like I said, Daigle's got somewhere else to be. We want to respect his time, and we want to jump into our um, Thanksgiving week slate. So, a reminder: wherever you're listening or watching, subscribe. You don't miss a show. Two shows a week now, both in podcast form and available on our YouTube page at Four for Four. Uh, this is again the game by game breakdown. Fridays we go around the table with prop stars. Uh, looking at the prop market, taking your listener questions. So uh, definitely check that out. Get into the show notes here too. You can find out some information on how to get a uh, betting sub for us at 4 for 4. Also, we're going to have um, the timestamps for all the games. So what we're going to do here is we're going to go a little bit different. We're going to start with the majority of the Sunday games, and we're going to hit you at the end uh, with all of the Thursday stuff. So if you're catching this on you know Thursday night, Friday, um, you can skip this stuff. If you're looking for the Thursday stuff, though, again, timestamps, uh, producer Sal takes care of all that for you down in the show notes. So two buys this week, guys, Kansas city and Arizona. And uh, yeah, I think it's just continues to be a roller coaster handicapping. The league it has been a wild, like three or four weeks in particular. I think the balance between reacting to what we saw last and stepping back to try to have a really long view of what we think of these teams is a really difficult juggling act. In my opinion, I think we're lacking like really dominant teams and that's made things really difficult. I think the median outcomes for each team are closer than we think. And that's why I think we're seeing underdogs hit us at a significant rate. I'm going to continue to look for some dogs this week. So uh, let's uh, jump into it. The summarization of the 2021 season is that the chiefs, which are a good team had to literally become unwatchable to be a good team. Like they're not even fun anymore. It's like when the, when the warriors got Durant, like it's not even fun to watch this team just because they're the best. Uh, the chiefs figured everything out now, like they're, they're just fine. But to do that, they have to run the ball to alleviate the pressure and just the two eye safety looks they get. And that's why Patrick Mahomes takes fewer chances now. And so like they genuinely are boring to watch and that's not fun. Whenever Patrick Mahomes is not fun to watch. It does suck. I miss, I miss it. All right. To be honest. So maybe we'll get there. We're getting to this like late November, December teams where we start to see some guys emerge and yeah. Um, yeah, let's uh, like I said, a lot of coin flip spots this week, really other than one game where we have a, around a touchdown spread, everything else is in like the three range. So a lot of close games and definitely interested to get Dago's thoughts on all these. So uh, let's get started. First game, Atlanta on the road in Jacksonville, uh, Jacksonville catching one at home game total here, 46 and a half. I understand that it's Jacksonville. I understand that they got their doors blown off last week at home against the Niners. Um, I just looked it up. Do not fact check me on this, but Connor was in high school the last time the Falcons scored a touchdown. Um, <laughs> slight exaggeration, but it's been a while. All right. Uh, 380 total combined yards over the last two weeks. That Nearly as many penalties as first downs for Atlanta. Like, they just don't have the horses to control the ball like San Francisco did last week. I don't have a lot of conviction in the Jag side, but uh, Dangle, kick us off here. Talk to me about this kind of gross game to start. Well, you said you don't have a lot of conviction in the Jag side. I don't have a lot of conviction in either side. Uh, start with the Jaguars. Since the bye, I don't know if it's a rookie wall. I don't know what's happened. It's probably just because they're bereft of talent, but Trevor Lawrence has completed 56% of his passes for one touchdown and one interception. That's it over the last month of the season for 4.8 yards per attempt. And then on the other side of the ball, uh, in three of his last four games without Calvin Ridley, Matt Matt Ryan has averaged, has scored, I should say, uh, 
fewer than 155 yards and 5.6 yards per attempt. They did put up 30 points in that successful game against the Saints with Cordero Patterson. But now we've also seen they lost Cordero Patterson in the first quarter a couple weeks ago, and they haven't scored a single point since. So I'm worried about both sides of the ball, to be honest. I don't think this is a, a game where you see two trash teams play and thus it becomes successful because none can stop the other. I think both offenses are the trash here because the Jags defense is just fine, honestly. Even in stuffing Jeff Wilson last week, um, 50 yards on the ground on 20 total touches, uh, the Jaguars defense has quietly allowed just 3.7 yards per carry to opposing running backs this year. Like the offense has quit or they just cannot bring any help. The Jaguars defense, though, is still carrying their weight in the front seven anyways. The secondary is still a major issue. To get production... Like all of Debo Samuel's nine touches occurred when he was aligned as a running back. They had to put him there, even his 15-yard catch, and then use him like that to explode in their running game. So overall, like while I still trust the Jags front seven, both offenses are absolutely miserable. And I have a lean as well. It's uh the Jags team total right now. If you look around at a couple of offshore books, too, it's 23 and a half. The Jaguars haven't scored 23 over 23 points in a game all year long. And their team totals over 23 points. What are we wow. doing? So I have already bet the under on 23 and a half at several books. I like that. That's a, that's a good one. Yeah, I, I think that I echo a lot of your guys' thoughts here is that you you want to, you want see these two defenses on paper right now, 29th and 30th in DVOA, but you kind of dig into like what they do successfully, which is nothing offensively. Uh, <laughs> and you think, like, how can they take advantage of those bad defenses? And for me, there's just not many paths for that to happen. And so – that's kind of the issue with, with uh, you know, taking the over in this. I think that the over-under should probably be a little bit lower. And as Daigle mentioned, I think attacking the team total under here on the Jags and, and maybe the Falcons as well, I think it's both viable uh, here. But the uh, um, Jags run defense too, fifth in run DVOA. Uh, I mean, even against, you know, relatively stiff competition in terms of rushing opponents. So I think that this is uh, could be something to take advantage of in the prop market too. Maybe some Falcons rushing unders as well. Uh, just kind of see what those come out as. Atlanta's terrible at running the ball. Like it's yeah, it's been CPAD. I mean, thirty second and run DVOA, thirty first and success rate. Like, uh, it, it's just such a gross game. There are so many that we can get to this week. We only have two buys, so like it is an easy stay away. But oh, like, man, I, I, I don't I know. Think, I just, I, I think the Texans Jets is sort of interesting. We'll get there eventually. But like, this is a game where I don't think trash equals treasure. I think they're just literally trash playing each other, and that's it. They're both pretty bad, man. I, I'm, yeah. I'm willing to turn the table over to you when we get to the uh, Houston-New York thing because I do not have a lot to be to be said there. But uh, I kind of lean Jacksonville, but again, I'm not touching it. Uh, I just I have no conviction in Atlanta. I don't know what they do well. They're kind of beat up. Um, no pass rush to speak of. Uh, Jacksonville can't get out of their own way though. So we'll skip on and move on to the next one. Uh, this one is interesting. Pittsburgh on the road against the Bengals. Bengals are four and a half pay, uh, point. Four and a half point favorites at home. 45 and a half is the total. Uh, yeah, I mean, Bengals going for the season sweep here, which would be huge considering this division and the playoff pitcher is really wide open. Last week against the Raiders, Burrow in the passing game, disappointed, but from a volume standpoint, Burrow played pretty well, though. 59% success rates. They didn't really need much from him. Uh, eighth on the week in composite EPA and completion percentage over expectation. They came out of the bye and ran it. Uh, we were expecting them to come out of the bye and throw it because that's what they had done in about the five games prior to that. But um, I don't know. This one feels a little high. I, there were a lot of questions on the Steelers' side defensively. Um, they played last week without uh, Watts, Fitzpatrick, Hayden. They all might be back this week. 
This one feels a little high on the Cincinnati side. Dago, what are your thoughts? Oh, interesting you say that. Uh, I think it comes down to the Steelers injury report, to be honest, because like the world, the broadcaster said TJ Watt, but it went so far beyond that. Just to miss Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, Joe Hayden, Isaiah Loudermilk, those are four um, like impactful absences. And so the, the Steelers' performance was covered up because they were down 27-10 in the fourth quarter. They were just getting romped all together by the Chargers. And then, of course, they uh, the Steelers come back as the Chargers try to coast, and they make it a game. But nonetheless, the Chargers still won. So if, if they're still missing those players in particular, you already touched on it, the Bengals being more of a balanced team, 51%, a 51% pass play rate. So on their 55 plays in neutral game script last week, Joe Mixon's 30 carries were his most since 2019. I think they still want to be a run-heavy team, to be honest. And if they are missing the Steelers, those defensive players that are so important, I kind of think the Bengals just walk on them, to be honest, like without without any doubt. So I'm looking at the injury report more or less, but I do I don't know if it's that high. I kind of like the Bengals still. Interesting. Okay. Connor, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I was definitely in. It opened at like three, three and a half. I was definitely in on the Bengals then. Uh, I still lean towards them. I just I think that they're just overall the better team uh, right now. I mean, the Steelers, I think a lot of it does come down to the injury report, though. I mean, their overall numbers on the Steelers' side, just 25th in uh, defensive DVOA right now. Uh, I mean, the Bengals are a little bit better, but, um, you know, I still think that just overall they're a better team, and I have a lot more faith in the Bengals' offense. Um, it is a little concerning that they came run heavy out of the bye, like as you mentioned, but uh, I guess if they're able to do it well, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter too much. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. If concerning is the word though. Like it's not good yeah. for fantasy, but yeah, they were but just fine. Like Joe Burrow yeah, was not fine. good for fantasy, but he was mm-hmm. so efficient. Like he completed exactly. still twenty-one of those passes. So I, like that's okay for winning. Um, I think they're just the outright better team if the Steelers are that banged up. Right. Yeah. yeah I think they're, exactly. I think they're the better team, but this feels like three, three and a half. And that's why like the balloon to four and a half is. A little surprising considering that the, the injury report does look like it's going to work in the Steelers' favor a little bit. So, again, standalone, I don't have a ton of interest in it. But, again, you can, if you want, you can throw this in some stuff. You can tease that through the 10. I think that that's a little bit interesting. But, uh, I mean, do you have any appetite for the, the Bengals here on the number? I know it's your lean, but is this a, a play for you? No, um, it's not a play. Uh, Joe Mixon is my play in DFS. I'm waiting okay. for the injury report, but I like Joe Mixon a whole lot, especially if people think – I really think that fourth quarter comeback like masked the fact the Steelers are a terrible team. And so uh, that's why I'm just waiting to get on Joe Mixon to, to wait on the Steelers injury report. Also, I know we're two games in already. I should have stopped you beforehand. Are we not talking about the Thanksgiving games in this in this show? We are. <laughs> Thanks for at listening the to the intro. Yeah, so we're putting him in at the end. Um, no, I was I was too busy trying to create my intro at the intro. So okay, now I get it. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> folks can grab again. They can grab the timestamps this way. If you happen to listen on Thursday while you're in the kitchen, or you know you wake up Friday morning and you're ready for the next week, uh, you don't have to listen to us be wrong about the Thursday games. So you can just skip I, that and uh, you know hang out with us for the Sunday games. I've argued for timestamps at another company, so I get it. That's uh, <laughs> I, I didn't understand how timestamps work. Now I understand why. Luis, I am. Uh, this beautiful bottle of uh, Avion 44 from Daigle. Uh, it is beautiful. It is gorgeous, and it is delicious. I've Although I didn't recall at the time when I went to the store that Reposado was your favorite. So uh, Still good, though. I'm not okay. that picky. As long as you enjoy it, but yeah. Nope, it's good. I have had this ice glass uh, hanging out in the freezer for the last three hours. Getting ready for this uh, delicious. It's also, I forgot to tell you this at the top. My wife took my little guy to her mother's tonight. 
She's oh. sleeping over to help prepare for Thanksgiving. So not just only do you, just me. That, that's I'm going to get for. six hours yeah. of consecutive sleep at least tonight for the first time in probably seven, eight months. So I'm, I'm very excited. I'm very, you're excited. probably, you're probably gonna get robbed tonight. It's the one night you have silence <laughs> and someone else is going to break in and give you noise. So good. And it'll still be quieter than your child. So no like, joke. Still wake up. No joke. So, uh, before, before we leave that game, a one quick note here, uh, I did fire off a player prop on this, uh, that game, the Steelers Bengals game. So I took Clay, uh, Chase Claypool under four and a half receptions, actually a plus money. Um, I just thought it was a bit of an overreaction we, to last week. He's gone under the summer three of eight games a season, three or four games since Juju went down. Uh, we have uh, Claypool projected for 3.8 receptions. So, I mean, I, I just think that for him to get the five receptions, it seems towards the top end of his outcomes where I think that I wouldn't take the under on the yard. Certainly not. I mean, he could easily go like four for a hundred. Uh, but I think the under four and a half at plus money is a good play. I'd play it to like even probably. All right, interesting. Yeah, they're starting to slowly roll out um, non-Thanksgiving Day props. So I think that's uh, an interesting look there for sure. All right, next, uh, Tennessee on the road against the Patriots. Uh, Patriots, six and a half point favorites here. 44 is the total at win. We talked about the Texans being live last week in the spot against the Titans, and it was such a bizarre game. I mean, weather was an issue throughout. As were turnovers, Tannehill threw four picks. That is basically a recipe and how you can lose despite holding your opponent to just 190 total yards. It is very easy to poke holes in this Titans team could continue to be. So if they are dealing with all these injuries, AJ Brown is like the Anthony Davis of the NFL at this point, he's like required to head back to the locker room mid game at this point, his status up in the air for this one. That is a big, uh, I think focal point here for the Titans. Uh, New England is ascending. This is a start of a really, challenging stretch for them they've won five straights the defense is playing basically as well as any unit in the league i think you could say top four in each of the key defensive metrics um in leading the league in points per drive allowed which is incredible offensively they're still lacking that big play receiver we've talked about that all season but they're second in the league in explosive pass rate so despite not having the guy to get it done they are kind of getting it done with a bunch of pieces i think josh mcdaniels is coaching his balls off uh, Mac is playing with some confidence here. It's fun to watch. I think it's important to know that I play this at New England minus three in the lookaheads, which means that this is dead because the lookaheads uh, <laughs> have been nothing but uh, all of this beautiful closing line value. And again, I continue to check with my friends uh, over at the mortgage company. They do not accept closing line value in place of my mortgage. And uh, here we are again. So back to Titans at six and a half because my closing line value is a sure loser. Uh, Dago, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, the LCLV is not good this year. It's not good, uh, man. Although, obviously, you should always be on positive CLV. Um, just not been good this year. But nonetheless, I, I still believe the Patriots, Mac Jones Offensive Rookie of the Year, it's all such overrated hype. Uh, it, literally <laughs> comes down, it literally comes down to the quarterback schedule they've played the last five weeks. Like, Justin Herbert has been their toughest competition and before last week, every team would have wanted to play Justin Herbert and the Chargers play calling because who cares? Uh, they weren't scary at all. They were one of the most inefficient teams on early downs, despite doing everything positive, positively on early downs because they are an intelligent team. It's just the fact that nothing has come together for them before that Steelers game. So I still absolutely just hate 
the Patriots hype. Uh, it's <laughs> only their defense shutting down Baker Mayfield and P.J. Walker and all these bums, honestly. Nonetheless, yeah. you get another bum because right now the Titans' <laughs> offense is complete disarray. Um, no age, I am expecting A.J. Brown not to play since they have a bye next week. And then you also look at Julio Jones on IR, Marcus Johnson out for the year, and Johnson did replace Julio Jones on the boundary, so that's important. Jeff Swain still dealing with a concussion. That's why Anthony Ferkser saw season-high seven targets last week. And uh, the last three games, the Titans have actually averaged 4.4 yards per play without Derrick Henry. For reference, the Texans are averaging a league low 4.6 yards per play. So the Titans have legitimately been the worst offense in the entire league without Derrick Henry. It's a mess right now. And so while I, you know, the better in me who has done this for a decade will say, okay, but the Patriots get the Bills next week. It's a look ahead spot. So let's be careful. Um, I also think the Patriots are like where you start your leg. Actually, the Bills are where you start your leg for any like a uh, teaser legs. And then you also attach the Patriots because I, I think it's very clear both teams are going to win. I just worry about the spread. That's fair. That's fair. Connor got all excited of you bashing the Pats here. Yeah, I hate, I, first I of all, hate. we knew this was happening because Daigle told us today that he this was his thought. So I wasn't uh, caught off yeah. guard here. But go it's ahead. It's the most over – like, uh, I mean, this, I hate, Matt Jones' offensive hate... rookie of the year and Jonathan Taylor MVP are the two broadcaster thoughts I cannot take anymore. It's uh, just – it's so like we give up. We're not going to put any thought into our takes. We're just going to say these things. Matt Jones has been very good, by the way, very good. But he's very also good. a product of sure. a team that is playing absolute trash right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I really hate to agree with Dago, but I, I totally agree. Um, I, I mean, <laughs> they've played. I mean, if you look at like like everyone's just blowing their loads over the Patriots beating like the Jets. Panthers, a banged up Browns team, the Falcons, and then the Chargers narrowly, who, you know, I don't think we think are awesome anymore. So, I mean, like, I, I think the Patriots are good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say that they're bad or they're even like average. I mean, I think they're above average. I think they're a good, they're a good team, but like people are like, Oh, they're a top three team. Oh, they're going to be in the Super Bowl. Like, like, you know, slow your roll. This is not that good of a team. Um, and for me, I just, I think that this spread should be closer to like, four uh rather than six and a half uh and i'm you know not excited to back the titans for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned but i do think that uh that there is some value there on the titans and you we want, have, you want it we, we could we can i mean you got to start earning back some of your your free bets so <laughs> i'm in on it I'll, I'll take titans plus six and a half uh okay. we have good friends on mac jones offensive rookie of the year too because it was a good number it really was a good number over jamar chase when they bet it but man, it's just I can't take it anymore. It's he's not <laughs> deserving of it, but he could win it. That is true. He could win it. So you know the, the points you guys make are fine. I think they are valid. The schedule has been soft. It gets much harder now. You get the Titans. You get the Bills twice. You get the Colts in in the middle of that. Like this is their stretch. So if they are legit, they got to get it done in the next four weeks. We will find out. It gets it's easier this spot. If again, AJ Brown is out. So I do think six and a half is inflated. I do think six and a half is probably too much. Um, so that is definitely why I thought I thought I took three because I thought we we're going to get to maybe four, four and a half. Um, I didn't think we were going to get to six and a half and maybe seven by kick. Cause yes. if we get to, we get AJ Brown, just the reactionary stuff that happens when someone like AJ Brown gets knocked out, like this is going to seven again, oh, yeah. inflated, but it's going to happen. Uh, so it, Again, it's it's the perfect first leg of a teaser leg. Like it's yeah. the perfect one because I still expect the Patriots to win just because the Titans don't have anywhere to go. 
uh, Des Fitzpatrick will be their number one receiver, and Nick Westberg Kine will be their second receiver. Like this, there is no revenge game here for Deontay Foreman. Uh, it's only <laughs> Dontre Hilliard, and after waving Adrian Peterson, like that's all they have to go to. And so, like, it, it's just crazy. Like they just don't have any talent. And um, you know, last week even. Uh, the Titans outgained the Texans 420 to 190. Like, the yeah. Texans' offense isn't good either. It's just the fact that Ryan Tino has nowhere to go and he threw four interceptions. So, that's all it is right now. They just don't have talent. Yep. Be interested if that hangs out there right now. That Titans team total, uh, an underplay might be Agreed. the best way to approach um, that. I think it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, it shows right here win bet, it's 18.7. I think it's still in books and maybe hanging around at 20. That's what I take. If it gets to 19 and a half is when I get scared, but 20 and under, I'd still take. I still think anything that's above 17 is something totally I probably, probably have an appetite for. So we got a quick, quick look, listener question here. Daigle, if not Mac, who's your rookie of the year? Anything better? Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase. Okay. Right. Un- undoubtedly Jamar Chase. Uh, and I understand he has been not shut out, but he's been a floor player the last three weeks because they've been more run heavy. Nonetheless, he has literally changed that offense altogether. He's 21-year-old Des Bryant. He's incredible. Um, but we also saw – that's why I thought it was a good bet by our friends who took Mac Jones at like, you know, 50, 40 to 1. Like yeah. They took him, they took oh, him yeah. really late. Yeah. Uh, it's the fact that we saw Justin Jefferson break every rookie record and still did not win the rookie of the year because it's a quarterback award. That's why it's a good number bet. Uh, but – if Mac Jones wins over Jamar Chase, I'm going to freaking walk into the ocean. I'm so done. <laughs> uh, I love you. Uh, all right, next team. Uh, Carolina, Carolina on the road in Miami. Uh, Miami is catching one and a half at home. 41 and a half is the total. Don't look now, folks. Connors Dolphins quietly winners <laughs> of three straights after beating up on the lowly Jets last Dude, week. Dude, that picture. Oh, my God, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. Uh Tua playing better of late. He was fifth in composite EPA uh, plus completion percentage over expectation last week. Uh, they're still playing with a below average receiving core. So it's nice to be a little bit bullish on Tua. That was really never the case here. or really was never my case of being down on them. I just thought the defense was unsustainably lucky as far as turnovers went last year. That's kind of been part of the three-game winning streak here too. Uh, Panthers really, I think, needed that win last week. That was a bad one. They could not win that at home. I think if you're a playoff team, you win games like that at home in November against Tyler, you know, Taylor Heineke. He balled out last week. He played awesome, which was shocking. But uh, no surprise to see Cam kind of stub his toe. Again, he's returning to the Panthers, but he's not returning to Joe Brady's offense and system here. And it looked like a guy that was just kind of learning things here. Um, despite that, Carolina's opened up as a short favorite here on the road, Daigle. Um, this is kind of jump back and forth between – uh, pick back up to, you know, Carolina. Any thoughts here to get started on the Carolina-Miami game? Honestly, not many thoughts, but I think it's more a game about uh, the Panthers' defense against Tua more so than Cam. Um, and by the way, you should win when you get three touchdowns, two passing from Cam. Like, you cannot sure. let that go. You can't let that go to waste since his passing touchdowns are so rare. Again, just eight last year, uh, whereas he was still a, top 12 quarterback in fantasy points per game because 50% of his fantasy points were derived from the ground. He literally like rushed for 50% of his fantasy points. It's wild. And that's why he's still a low in QB one for the rest of the season. But overall, the Panthers still number one in the league and drop back success rate, the lowest success rate allowed and drop back. So 
I still think the Panthers' defense is overall better than Tua and the Dolphins' passing game. And we've seen they're still top five right now in pass play rate neutral game script since Tua came back from injury. So that's what they want to do because they can't run the ball at all. Even so, I think it's more comes down to just the Panthers' defense being the better play here. Having said that, I don't I don't have any money on this game. Um, I didn't bet the Panthers, but that would be my lean right now. Connor, any thoughts here? You want to continue to ride the train with your Dolphins? See if it's going to go to four straight. Or you're also a massive Cam stand, so this has got to be a little bit challenging for you. Well, he's yeah, he's also a massive Jalen Waddle stand. So yeah, yeah, I mean, I got a lot of a lot of love affairs in this one. Uh, it's a little bit tough for me, but uh, I mean, honestly. I don't really know what to make of it because, like, the Panthers' offense I thought looked significantly better with Cam fresh off the street than Sam Donald or P.J. Walker. Um, at least it looked – I mean, he brought some kind of life to it. Uh, I mean, they weren't good, but they were at least, like, average. And now if you give them a little bit more time, I think they're only going to get better. Uh, and so I think he showed it so- and sometimes, too, that he could still make, like, you know, decent throws in a tight windows, you know, from time to time, which is encouraging. And that- that's enough to scare me off taking the Dolphins out right here. Uh, but also, I mean, Miami defense allowed 9, 10, and 17 points last three weeks. I mean, given it was against, you know, bad opponents, but they're, they're still getting better. I mean, they were they were allowing like 30-plus, you know, for the first like six, seven weeks. So uh, I think they're, they're turning the corner a little bit here. So, I mean, I'm, I'm into maybe the Dolphins here, but it's not enough for me to take. If we got the three, I'd take it. My argument is whenever these props open, maybe they already have open. Maybe you have them on your end, but I'm interested in not. Cam Newton – my Cam Newton rushing overs because we know historically um, when you play more man coverage and the Dolphins lead the league in cover one, then you are opt for more rushing yards from your quarterback because the cornerbacks trail with the receivers. And so I am looking at Cam Newton rushing overs and I think it's an interesting naked play on DraftKings. Don't even stack with anybody. I'm just playing by himself. He only went up 500 since last week. And like last week as the starter, was technically like when he should have played the fewest snaps. So now to learn the playbook a week later, I'm very interested still in this offense and Cam Newton in particular and props and DFS. Yeah, you can probably get contrarian and stack him even with McCaffrey because I think the mindset is that obviously if Cam's getting a rushing touchdown, that impacts McCaffrey negatively. But the way that McCaffrey has been used in the passing game since he came back is like basically the primary receiver. You know, again, Catching a touchdown pass last week, one of the, the can touchdown passes, catching 10 balls in that first game back, even on a, a light workload. I think there is probably something something there. Maybe bring it back with Connor's boy, Jalen Waddle, volume hog, <laughs> you know, the, uh, you know, the, another version of Cole Beasley, basically the fast Cole Beasley at this point, just to, you know, check down Charlie. Um, by, by the way, not to interrupt the show, but uh, we had 750 and fab left and, I did go behind both of your backs without asking you I saw. because neither of you pay attention. And uh, well, I don't have access. First of yeah, all, say, tier, I'm thinking mid game last week. I'm like, isn't Lamar our quarterback? I'm like, what did we do a quarterback <laughs> this week? So, so yeah, we, we, played Tua. we played Tua. Right. Yeah. To be fair, Noonan doesn't have access, but uh, I did spend all 175 bucks to make sure we are prepared for the playoffs. Since right now our main event team that has Jalen Waddle on it somehow, but not Marquise Brown is going to make the playoffs. It's going to make the semifinals. You love to see it. Well, you'd rather love to see it with Marcus Brown because he's a stealing. <laughs> Jalen Waddle, as Silva texted me earlier, is fifth in the league in receptions. Doesn't matter, though, because Jalen Waddle doesn't have a ceiling where Marcus Brown ends your life if you don't play it. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to argue because we'll go on about this for too long. We're in the playoffs. No more arguing. I'm sorry. I'm so- I didn't mean to. No, it's good. It's good. 
Oh, it's good to know what's going on. I appreciate knowing what's going on in our man event team. So I, I'm glad that we had a show this week so I could find out. Because, uh, yeah, I was thinking about it last last week, and I'm glad we started to it. Uh, we're going to make – assuming we score high, we're going to make the playoffs still. We're locked into the four seed. We'll be in the semifinals, and then we'll go from there. But just know all 750 are fab bucks. I blew tonight. It actually think we may actually end up updating it after the show. I don't know what time it closes. I trust you blindly, my friend. So let me know how it goes. This is going to be back to you too, because this next one, the Jets on the road against the Texans, Texans two and a half point favorites at home. 45 is the total. Again, I just do not have an appetite for this one. I think there are some prop opportunities here. Zach Wilson back under center for the Jets. Um, David, you said you thought this one was interesting. Maybe you thought it was a prop thing, but you know, if you have any leans, kick us off here. My worst take of the week is that I think the Jets went out right. Uh, mm-hmm. New York's bugaboo since their buy has been their defense. So they've allowed 7.3 yards per play and 40 points per game in their last five contests. But now you get a matchup where the offense is not a juggernaut. You're not worried about the Texans offense at all. Even last week in that win, like we already mentioned earlier, they were out gained 420 yards to 190 against the Titans. Brian Tannehill just threw four picks. Maybe Zach Wilson throws four picks, or maybe he's learned a little bit just to check down more, take some sacks rather than just throwing it up to no one for turnovers. So I actually still think the Jets, uh, maybe not the best team, but they can win this game easily outright. So I'm going to skip the points, and I'm just going to actually take the Jets' money line here, which I already have. All right, Connor, any thoughts on the Jets-Texans here? Uh, I mean, I'm just surprised. Like Houston's favorite in the game, I just think that that's awesome. You know, that's another reason too, right? Like that's yeah, like, why you take it. There, I, I mean, they they still have one of the you know bottom two three roster in the NFL, and that I mean they played better, I guess, at times because they they won, they beat a, a decent Titans team. Um, but you know, uh, I, I just don't have much confidence here. I think that the Jets are probably the play. I think this is actually going to be a true litmus test of how bad Wilson is uh, because we saw you know uh, Mike White and we saw Joe Flacco have like reasonable amounts of success within that offense uh and you know i mean i think they're reasonable is probably accurate in, in the most you know kind terms and you know wilson looked awful leading up to that so i think that we're going to kind of see really if he's actually okay or at least at this point in his career um and i mean he has no better chance than against the texas defense which is not good so i would lean i would lean jets but uh i'm not backing it as confidently as Daigle. Well, Corey Davis a little banged up. Um, I'm not sure his status here. He, you know, we had some reports today that he might not be here. Michael Carter out as well. So, like, I'm not a pro Zach Wilson guy. I thought it was a mistake. It was shocking to me. I know that we talked about it before the draft that he was. I was shocked that he was like the no doubt number two pick. That that was not even up for discussion for like a month leading up to it. It was really who's going three, and I was so surprised that like this that Wilson was just locked in the spot with that said he is going to go into this one maybe with a little bit of a shorthanded um again talent pool again if you want, want to even say that in comparison to what some of his peers had at the position the jets are more talented than the titans right now just in elijah moore even if Corey davis sits just That's actually true. elijah moore jameson crowder would be the best best receiver on the titans right now he's gonna yeah. be their number two most likely if Corey davis sits and then Ty Johnson, we saw him have three consecutive games of RB2 performances behind Michael Carter, who was an RB1 from Mike White, because Mike White targeted running backs at a 38% rate when he started. But nonetheless, like these players earn targets. For instance, like Tevin Coleman, you know, there's some people talking about him in fantasy circles. Tevin Coleman hasn't had more than two receptions since week 11 of the 2019 season. 
He doesn't earn targets or catches at all. Like, he's just Tevin Coleman. And so that's why I think, like, the Jets do have some talented players to go that are just better than the Texans' defense. So I think it's a sneaky spot for the New York. Total feels too high. But, again, like I, I, again, yeah. pick sixes are so much in play here that I just don't have any uh, anything that I really want here. But I've if, been living off of Jets under 17 for the last, you know, <laughs> month. It's just – it feels so weird to see them at 21-plus, and I'm, I'm not interested – I don't know what Paulson will have on David Johnson projections as well. Um, they're probably still up right now. But if we get some bad ones that Vegas releases, I'm interested because uh, still to have like 100% of their running back targets, all four last week over Rex Burkhead. Like Rex Burkhead outcarried David Johnson. Burkhead had 18 carries, but he only averaged 2.2 <laughs> yards per carry. Like he got right. to 40 yards. He scored four fantasy points on 18 carries. That's a disaster. It's crazy. Whereas, David Johnson was at least getting all the targets. So, like, David Johnson receiving props against a Jets unit allowing 30 backfield touches per game and all the stats I mentioned earlier, like, that's interesting to me, honestly. like that. Let's take a look at that. All right, next, uh, Philly on the road against the Giants. The Giants are catching three and a half here at home. This is a 46-point total at win. Uh, there are some 45 and a halves out there in the marketplace. I was really intrigued last week by the matchup with the Saints and the Eagles, particularly that strength on strength matchup that we thought we would see when Philly was on offense and the Eagles clearly made a contorted effort to continue to shift to a run heavy approach. This is an incredibly tough spot to do it last week. And they absolutely destroyed. They ran for a season high, 242 yards on the ground. They hung 40 points on the Saints. It was an absolute ass kicking and it dominated time of possession. Um, ran it twice as often as they threw it, which has kind of been their MO as of late, and it's worked in a pretty big way. Uh, Giants, on the other hand, less than impressive debut there, coming off of uh, a little bit of a bye. Uh, that that Buccaneers game on Monday night was rough. Obviously, coaching change, Jason Garrett out. Um, could have a little bit of that you know, bounce back because, again, like that offensive line is terrible, but all the guys that they thought coming into the season were going to be starters for them are back. Again, terrible but at least the guys that are supposed to be in place are in place. And then as far as the weapons go, we might get Sterling Shepard back this week. And then you basically have everyone back in place for the Giants. This is weird to me that this is three and a half. Like the Eagles have been really popular in the market the last couple of weeks, especially as we get in closer to kick. Um, this feels fishy. Like I feel like this should be closer to four and a half, five, six, and it's just kind of hanging out there. Uh, so it's making me want to stay away, but I think 45 and a half, is a great number if you can still get it on the over. I think there are points here. I think you get a little bit of that Freddie Kitchens bump. Um, again, success as a coordinator in the past, not so much as a head coach, Daigle, but uh, talk to me about this spot. It's still the funniest thing that people think, just because Jason Gett was fired, all the problems are solved under the New York organization. Like This is still one of the worst football organizations ever. Uh, I've only been good with Bill Barcells. And as I call with, with Silva... Uh, John, the visionary McAdoo, who was still like the the best offensive coordinator that never got the right respect. He only ran 11 personnel when no one was running 11 personnel. He benched Eli Manning in front of New York media, did not care what they thought. He still put in Geno Smith and said, screw your records. This quarterback is better than what Eli Manning is right now. He was a dork with a mustache, so he wasn't ready to like <laughs> interview in front of New York media. But, uh, but McAdoo was still like genuinely one of the greatest offensive coordinators of our era, and he will never get the proper respect of the last two decades. 
Nonetheless, the Giants are a complete effing joke. And the fact that, like, we are still saying, like, oh, like, they can turn it around without Jason Garrett. No one looks at, like, Daniel Jones is 47 of 96 inside the red zone the last two years. Daniel Jones is just a bad quarterback. He needs offensive help. And the way Dave Gettleman built this team is not to have off- help on the offensive line. He paid Kenny Galladay, who has less touchdowns than their left tackle right now. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then Kadarius Tony, if you want to scheme him targets, sure. I still have my doubts Kadarius Tony can actually earn targets from the slot, uh, like Jalen Waddle. At least he's doing that with volume. Whereas Sterling Shepard, anytime he shows up, that's why Sterling Shepard is a 26% target share and has led the team in targets in all four games he's finished this year. So overall, I, I do think the Giants are uh, out of their element against a playoff bound, in my opinion, Eagles team who has finally figured out their identity in holding 123 running back carries to 78 path attempts to a three and one record since week eight. Like they know now, okay, we will just limit Hertz's pass attempts and chances downfield. And maybe we'll hit on those chances when he gets them. But nonetheless, this is the strength of our team. And so, yeah, I, I still like the Eagles wherever you can get them at three points. The issue is it's hard to find, but that's why you chase the LCLV because you can get it early in the week if you try. Yeah, I just thought for sure we were going to get this three and a half. This is going to just steam. and I'm, I, It feels weird to me that it's not because I'm with you. Like I'm not necessarily buying this this Giants, uh, you know, revival. I think they can at least score here a little bit against an Eagles defense that's been pretty vanilla, Connor. We've talked about it a lot. And they might be without Darius Slay. It looks like he's trending uh, to play, dealing with a little bit of concussion protocol symptoms uh, heading into the week here. But uh, talk to me about this spot. Um, all Eagles props, like rushing props over. Uh, I mean, as you mentioned, they just squared off against the number one team in run DVOA last week. And you know, absolutely blasted them on the ground. I think that it's just like shows that their power running offense is just, I mean, borderline, I mean, elite right now. And now they're matching up against the team, 30th in run DVOA, 31st in adjusted line yards allowed. Uh, I, I just think that there couldn't be a better matchup really for this Eagles offense. Um, so I think that, you know, the over certainly in play here. But again, I think, as you mentioned, that the Eagles defense could be suspect enough to allow the Giants to have success. But I'm not really... I'm not buying the bounce back either just because, you know, Jason Garrett's gone, especially because it's Freddie Kitchens, who I, I kind of thought that we left on, left off on the note that he actually didn't do anything for Cleveland's, you know, survival or like revival like late in the season and then just kind of stunk as a head coach. Um, you know, I thought that it was actually that the story came out that it was actually like uh, whatever the guy with the big belly, uh, Wiley, you know, who was like helping out the offense there and like the assistants that were, you know, commanding the offense in their second half revival, whatever, like two years ago. And because Friday Kitchens came in and I mean, offense stunk. So uh, I don't know. I, I'm not really excited at all about that. This offense still just because it went from, you know, a dinosaur Jason Garrett to, uh, I mean, fake the fakest of fake sharps, uh, Freddie Kitchens. Three. Yes. Three. I still truly believe is perfectly fine. Also, if you're playing like six and a half point teasers, totally fine. But yeah, that's where I stop here. Yeah, it feels weird. Like I, I definitely think Eagles minus three and a half is a side. It feels like a square side. It's, I'm surprised it's not getting steams, and it, that in itself sometimes is enough to give me a little trepidation to not jump on it. I did take a 45 and a half today. I think that that's a nice number again because I think that the Eagles can have a ton of success even without the Giants uh, pulling their load here. I think the Giants are, can have a decent day. Um, interesting to see what like Saquon's total numbers come out to because the Eagles. You know, pass-catching running backs, tight ends have been a nice spot against the Eagles so far this year. 
again, I know that he got beat up a little bit last game. I'll kind of wait and see there, see if we have any reports. But, uh, but also, it was it was Saquon against like the Bucks, literally the correct. toughest team to run on in the entire league, and his first game back from injured reserve. So, like, there were some smart people out there with some opinions on Saquon. I disagree with because, like, and I don't, I wouldn't say like I think Saquon is going to be great like in this coming week as well. But just like obviously, you got to give it time. Like they, they didn't bring him back in week one. They had a whole off season. Of course, they're not going to bring him back off injured reserve or like a- after three missed games and like tell him he's going to be fine. Like he's not going to get that you got to usage. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, we're we're behind the eight ball here from a time standpoint. We're going to catch up. Take our here. time. It's fine. I, I got some emails going behind the scenes. It's okay. Okay, pushing the back. Let's just do our thing. Okay. Next, Tampa on the road against the Colts. Colts catching three here at home. 52 and a half is the total. This has been steamed up massively. 49s, 49 and a halfs are coming back out on Sunday night, Monday morning. Uh, This is a a matchup of two teams that are pretty similar defensively. They're strong against the run. Both teams ranking top five in rush DDVOA and success rate allowed. They run a ton of of zone looks in the back half, very susceptible to strong passing games. I keep waiting for the Bucks defense to turn it up. Um, thought maybe we would see that here uh, moving forward. Again, last week of the Giants, that might have a lot to do with the Giants and the ineptitude that we just talked about there, more so than anything as far as like the Bucks ascension. But Vita Vea should be back for Tampa Bay here, which is important considering that Jonathan Taylor is on an absolute heater right now, Connor. Colts have won five of six and are very much alive in the AFC South. Yeah, I, I, I think that uh, this is this is a tough game to handicap. I think that if you're able to get, you know, Tampa at under that three number, I still like them uh, just because it's, I think it's a tough matchup for the Colts. You know, I, they've been relying heavily on, on Jonathan Taylor, Bucks fourth and run DVOA. Um, also, I think it's a decent matchup for the Bucks passing offense here. It's the Colts 20th ranked passing defense uh, in the metrics. I think that, you know, it's a tough spot for, for Uncle Lenny, but, you know, a lot of his props are already reflected in that those dropped. So it's, there's not really much value there. Um, but yeah, I think, I think for this one year, I, I probably still lean Tampa. I think that they're the better team. It's a good, kind of good spot to buy on them versus the Colts who, you know, I mean, obviously had a great game against the bills. Um, but you know, I think that the bills weak point relatively at that point was their run defense comparatively to their pass defense. And, you know, that was, uh, exposed badly by the Colts. So I think in this spot here, I, I still lean Tampa. First impression. Yeah. Yeah. And they, the rushing defense, that's the thing. We know that's how the Colts are initially going to attack them. It's not like they've given up anything spectacular. Like, even in allowing 36 points to the Saints, Alvin Kamara had 61 yards. Uh, Gibson had two touchdowns, but had less than 70 yards. Like, they just don't break. They might bend a hair, but they don't break at all. And, like, it literally took Gibson that last drive. I believe he had nine touches on that final drive, nine carries on that what was it uh 11 minute 11 minute five second drive in the fourth quarter to put the bucks away it was intelligent game plan and and like scheming but overall like not good for fantasy and not thinking like jonathan taylor is going to be the one to break this line so i i actually think this is the game where all the boomer jonathan taylor mvp takes are shoved down their throats it's like uh well it's colt's team that is ninth place in the afc they're not even in the playoffs with the presumed mvp right uh, if they could be not in the playoffs with the MVP, they can certainly be out of the playoffs with the MVP. And so I just think like the Bucks kind of take care of business indoors here and because they know all they have to do is stop the run. And you can cite all the – and I, I look at them all, but again, like I try to s- decipher stats 
to what I believe matters. And so when you tell me like, oh, like Carson Wentz is like third in EPA the past month, I will say, yeah, but it's still Carson Wentz. Let's see him get more than 20 passes and let's see if that actually that stat actually matters. So I actually think like it's going to come down to Carson Wentz. And anytime something comes down to Carson Wentz, he's not going to do well. So I'll still take the Bucks minus two and a half indoors on the road to just walk all over a Colts team that is not competitive. I agree. Two and a half still out there. Three even, I think, is is a fine play. Again, I'm trying to to dial back because it's definitely my initial reaction is to 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 take the Bucks. I, I want to have the long view on the Bucks. I think they're very good. I think the defense is going to improve. I think they're getting healthy. We saw this last year in the back half. This is kind of a, a Brady Belichick thing historically. They've both been collectively better as the season goes along. I think they start to find their groove a little bit here. And I think this is a spot we've been looking to short the Colts as much as possible and forever. Yeah. yeah. And it worked to start the year. They've obviously played well. I did not think that they would go into the Ralph and win last week. But uh, again, I think that there is a massive overreaction to the market here uh, to what happened. So I want to touch base real quick. Uh, Dave, go ahead. On, on per play rates, by the way, like even the Bucks passing defense is good on like per play. Every team has had to throw against them. That's why their overall numbers are bad, but like they're still just fine to be honest. They're like above league average, which is more than you can ask for. No, that's fair. So I'm with you, right? We know that it's almost futile to even have these Jonathan Taylor MVP discussions because we know that it is a quarterback award. Um, And if it is a running back award, it has to be some sort of historical game breaker, right? Where he is on a team that goes 16 and one and he gets 2200 yards and they just it has to be like this historical outlier because we saw it last year with Derrick Henry and he did not win the MVP so when we look over at the MVP market currently um, give me your thoughts on how it shapes up we got Tom Brady here in this game as the favorite currently at three to one Josh Allen a little bit behind him at six and then you get uh, you know a handful of quarterbacks Stafford Dak Rogers Kyler all in that uh, 12 to one range uh, Mahomes in that mix too so I was asking Daigle for your your thoughts oh, on the uh, MVPs. <laughs> I thought I thought you meant Connor. Uh, what is Taylor's I don't number give right two now? Two shits what Connor thinks. What is Taylor's what? number right now? I'm joking. Uh, who Taylor? Yeah, Taylor's at twenty. Twenty. And that's you said fifth or fourth overall. No, he's deep. Yeah, you got a bunch of quarterbacks ahead of him. Brady. Oh, Allen, 20, st- 20's fine. That's a good number, uh, especially because okay. we know only boomers have an MVP vote. Doesn't Silva? Do, I'm I'm not kidding. Doesn't Silva have an MVP vote? or is it not legal if he does yeah i don't know it needs to be revoked that needs to be canceled if that's true i thought i thought he did i I think you're not supposed to vote on it or not you're not supposed to bet on it if you have a vote so someone's breaking some rules somewhere yeah i've I've seen you're either wrong or you're a bad friend one one of two things just happens I've seen his DK account just like crash because of tennis betting at two in the morning. So he definitely maybe not doesn't have an MVP vote. There's um, nothing. That, there's nothing like being in the Silva Manor betting Aussie rules football at four a.m. I mean, dude, there's, it's, there's... it's uneffing real. Not me. It's not me either. Uh, no, this year it These is. These are never small bets too, which is the wild. It is thing. genuinely wide open this year. Genuinely wide open. Uh, Josh Allen is a terrible MVP bet. Um, especially because he's one of the favorites and he hasn't even been good. Like there's no way you could possibly bet Josh Allen. I still think like if you had to tell, ask me if I had a vote right now and it's going to change by the end of the year, 
Um, my top two guys in order are Lamar Jackson and Kirk Cousins, actually. Um, but given the number, I do think Taylor's a fine bet, knowing that boomers are going to vote for only Tom Brady and Jonathan Taylor. Uh, yes, Dak Prescott may make some noise, but also he's had enough bad games without Tyron Smith that pr- they're probably rethinking that. So overall, I'm still going to say uh, they will probably come down to Tom Brady in the end. If you still see Tom Brady like seven to one anywhere, I'm totally just bet it. He's going to, if he leads the league in touchdowns, he's MVP. That's it. Simple. Probably true. Yeah. 14 for Lamar, 40 for your boy, Kirk Cousins. So uh, some, some he's value. Not, he's not going to get it, but like, like yeah. I said, my personal opinion, he would get my vote because he's been awesome and no one recognizes it. He's been amazing this year. I recognize it. We'll get there in a little bit. Um, all right. Next they don't one get up. blown out. They don't, yeah, they don't. We'll get that yeah, no, they don't. Better. They're coming. They're coming up. Uh, Chargers on the road in Denver. Denver catching three at home. 47 and a half is the total here. This has also been bet down a little bit. Um, Chargers, as we talked about earlier, tried to give that one away last week. Uh, it was good to see their offense perform, but again, like they were going up against the Steelers B team, as we talked about. Now they're traveling to Denver. Uh, one of the last places where I think home field advantage still exists. And yep. they're going to face Teddy Two Gloves, a.k.a. Teddy Covers, and the Broncos, who are coming off of a bye here, Connor. Uh, thoughts on Chargers and Broncos? I think it's tough not to lean towards the Chargers, but at the same time, I, I can see a path here where, uh, you know, this Broncos team is actually have, has a little bit of success running the ball against this, you know, kind of bottom-dwelling Chargers run defense, uh, dead last in run the DVOA, and uh, I've really been struggling against the run in, in a lot of areas, but I mean, the, 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 I think what matters here and kind of what I've noticed is that the Chargers offense is, you know, helped kind of keep the ship afloat in a lot of areas. Uh, third in DVOA while the defense is 21st overall. Nearly lost to it. I mean, a dusty Steelers team allowed 37 points. Uh, I mean, I think that the Broncos can keep it close enough that I'm not, you know, excited to bet the Chargers minus three on the road. Uh, so for me, I think it's probably just to stay away. And if you really just want to bet the number, I, I'd probably, probably take the Broncos. But I think the Chargers are a better team. I think the Broncos today talked about it with you guys earlier, um, put that into play for us in discord. Um, I, <clears throat> I think that this is a spot where they can control the ball and, and run on them. And um, we know kind of the MO of the Brandon Staley defense. They've been a little bit better against the run, but I still don't think that they're particularly strong. They don't have the horses to do it either. I don't think the Broncos are particularly good either, but again, there's just a lot of things leading up to this that I think that this is a good spot again in, Feels like a kind of a coin flip game in the division coming off the bye. There's a lot of reasons here where I want to take the dogs, especially at home when I can. So, uh, Daigle, any thoughts on this one? I agree. Last we saw the Broncos offense, yeah, Melvin Gordon good. was fumbling. The Chargers tried to give it away. Melvin Gordon literally gave it away with that Darius Slate 80 yard return for a fumble six. That's why I'm, I'm kind of intrigued. Most likely it falls flat on your face. But if props release with Javante Williams at the same numbers he was averaging at before, even projections averaging before, I think there's some reason to go to him after the bye. We we also know in fantasy, historically, rookies have a higher outlook after the bye. Coaches get more accustomed to what they do best and start using them more because they're just more explosive than the guys like Emmanuel Sanders, for instance, who just vaporize away in the last second half of the season because they just don't have it anymore. And so... Yeah, I think Javante Woods is really interesting in prop numbers. I think this is a could be an explosive game, 
since that we saw, even though he had a 14 half percent target share, Mike Williams get a little back on track last week. Keenan Allen is still carrying his own every single freaking week. It doesn't matter. Like Keenan Allen still shows up. So yeah, I, I, I like this game. Like if you told me to pick one, I think it's the over, but overall uh, I'm more or less looking for Javante Williams props to open, hoping that it comes out to his averages from the last nine weeks as opposed to what he's done or what we think he'll do after the buy. There was some 49 and a half. So it got bet down to 49 and hung out there for a little bit on Friday or in, uh, on Monday. And then it's just been continued to drop down here at 47 and a half. So um, I do think we've stalled out here. So if you are looking to get back on the over, I think this is probably the right play because it's dropped. The Chargers team totals also, I think, I think it's risen three, four points, right? I believe it's, well, inc- I believe it's increased that much in that time. So it's well, been the Bron- it's been the Broncos team total that's been dropping. Interesting. Well, it wouldn't move without the spread moving because the spread hasn't moved. It's been held out. It's been two and a half and three for the most part, unless it's opened higher than I than I remember. I think it was right around three at most points. So yeah, that makes well, they would both drop if the the game total is dropping. I have no idea. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, but I, I like the Broncos here. I, I think this is a, a nice number if you can get. Um, a three, I think that that's a nice play. I think most threes are gone, but um, no, it's uh, team total wise. Just just to be sure, no argument here. Just to be sure, uh, team total wise, the Chargers actually opened up because you look at the line as well. Um, the Chargers opened up at 21 and a half, 22 points, and they've risen three, three and a half points, depending where you look. So, like the Chargers team totals on the rise, the Broncos team totals on the decreasing right now, but. The total is increasing, so that means it's all going to the Chargers side instead. Well, if the game the game total opened at forty nine, and the Chargers have been three point favorites the whole time. Oh, I, I got open at forty five and a half. Uh, oh, okay. okay, that's why. That's why you input wrong. I'm, I'm looking at like overnight Saturday Sunday. Maybe it's the look at no. Oh, you know about the look aheads. Oh, those, those <laughs> LCLV, you got to get them in. Yeah. The look aheads. No, I think it's Sunday night. Either way, it doesn't matter. It's fine. Yeah, I, I, still like the, I still like the Chargers team total. Um, last week in DFS was the ultimate GPP Bros G, uh, DFS tournament week of the week. It was literally just like, oh, hey, no one's going to play Justin Jefferson or Jonathan Taylor. Play Justin Jefferson or Jonathan Taylor. It doesn't even matter about the matchup. Just play good plays. That's it. And so uh, I'm curious to see where like King Allen and Justin Herbert come in. It may just be a play the good plays week of the week again. I like that with a Javante piece too, because I think there's something to that. Oh, yeah. uh, I think you outlined it pretty nicely there. So, all right, next is another fishy one. With the Rams on the road in Green Bay, this is a pick at win. 48 is the total. Uh, Rams limps into the bye, basically losers of two straight, both of which were blowouts. Stafford has not really played well at all of late. On, on the whole, the offense has not topped 300 total yards since week eight. Um, off the bye, heading into Green Bay. Obviously, they're not 100% on either side of the ball. But Rodgers, I mean, they lost last week, but Rodgers balled out. And uh, despite the toe issue, uh, almost led them to a comeback. They're down 13 at one point against the Vikings. McVay, pretty good historically coming off of the bye. This feels like it should be at least a little bit on Green Bay side. I'm surprised that the Rams are getting the love that they are. But, um, yeah, Diggle kicks off. Do you have any leans on this game? It's a fun game. I mean, we literally saw this game last year in the divisional round. If you recall, this is a game that first divided the band's text thread between <laughs> us three, Rahul, and Evan Silva. 
Now what divides us is that Silva sleeps till 7 freaking p.m. every day. <laughs> but nonetheless, this is the game that I went Rams and everyone else went Packers. No big deal. Uh, Packers did win. They dominated. They were they were up by two scores in the fourth quarter. What seemed like eight points in the fourth quarter for the Rams was not close. It was almost like an insurmountable eight, eight points, to be honest. Nonetheless, like Jalen Ramsey shadowed uh, Devontae Adams in that game, and he still led with a team high 10 targets, nearly reached 100 yards. And we also, this is why quarterback matches are overrated because good play calling can cancel it out in an instant. And within inside the five yard line, what they did was run a pick play. Jalen Ramsey was shadowing Devontae Adams, and then Adams just comes on the inside. He's guarded by a linebacker at that point, and it's game over. He scores a touchdown. He answers in DFS in a four-game slate, and nothing matters anymore. So, uh, yeah, I I think it's a fun game because, remember, they did try to throw the ball. Uh, Jared Goff had a high completion rate, completed 21 passes. I believe he threw 27 attempts. But the issue also is now it's Matthew Stafford. It's not an issue. I shouldn't say that word. Uh, the fact is they can use every inch of the field now, actually. So I think there's going to be some points scored here. Even though Aaron Rodgers had Tobit last week, he still for, threw for over 300 yards and three touchdowns just fine. So I think it's a high-scoring affair. I'm excited about this game. I think it's going to be a fun one, too. Uh, Connor, yeah. any leans here uh, in the market so far? I, I want to take the Packers. I, I, I don't know. I would, take, they, I would take the yeah. Packers' money line if you do. Just take it out right. Yeah. I mean, you're able to find them, you know, mostly at, at like plus money on the money line. Uh, yep. So and I'm also kind of a little bit surprised that, that this totals uh, only 48. I think that has to do with probably the, the Packers pace uh, and just like how, how much they bleed the, the clock. Um, but I mean, they're two top five ish offenses against two like relatively middling defenses. I mean, the Rams defense is top 10 in most metrics, but Packers defense is like, you know, pretty middle tier. Uh, and I'm, I'm interested in both of these offenses, or at least the, the Rams offense bouncing back, you know, from a little bit of a slump in, in some of the recent games. So I think that, yeah, I think that the over here is potentially in, in play. Because, I mean, the Packers, if they – I mean, they don't have to drain the clock. They just have re- in recent, you know, memory. They, they've been having these long, like, 10-minute drives where they're able to, like, just efficiently convert on third down basically every time. Uh, but I think that they're able to, you know, expose the Rams and become a little bit more back and forth. So I lean towards the over – I also think the Packers could very well win outright here at home. Yeah, I lean Packers too. I'm, I'm, I've not made it a play yet, but this is my definitely my lean here. Offensive line injuries for the Packers too. I mean, they lost, um, you know, Jenkins last week. He's out for the season in the ACL. I think Bakhtiari's still maybe a week or so away. So that could be impactful. Um, it wasn't going to be much of a problem against the Vikings. It could be against the Rams as they kind of get healthy here. But yeah, uh, again, I think the buy is working in the favor of the Rams here too. Because again, last time we, last couple times we saw them, it was it was pretty bad. I mean, they got absolutely smoked in San Francisco against the Niners, um, and then uh, that Titans game that you guys are here for that just jumped out right away. It was just gross. So, not great showings from the Rams of the late. But uh, again, they're a playoff team, and they're you know this is probably a, a rematch coming uh, uh, this year too, like Daigle talked about uh, to start. We right, are. Next- we're looking at Valdez Scantling props as well. Uh, if Alan Lazard is out, Vegas usually accounts for this. But literally, to have a 15 yard depth of target and then also get 10 targets, like a team high 30% target share on a 15 yard depth of target, that essentially makes you Cooper Cup. Like that means you're the best receiver in the league um, <laughs> because deep targets are one thing, but then to get volume on your deep targets, you're just ultimately going to hit. 
So like 100 yards is like in the books, honestly, if Alan Lazard is out again, assuming that usage sticks. So I would imagine Valdez scaling median props open up around, I don't know, 50, 60 yards, and it's probably too low, to be honest. I bet it'll be, I bet it'll be like 50, 40. one or 40, like if it's, 45. If it's 40, is too low. It's under 50. It was 40 last week. Yeah, 45, 45 and a half. Points bet, baby. Yeah, I think it's, that's actually a good opportunity. I was mad at myself that I didn't do it last week because I, I did look at it and I thought about it. Sad. Yeah, he's a points bet guy to begin with. So, All right, next, Minnesota on the road against the Niners. Niners are three-point favorites at home. There have been some three-and-a-halves out here earlier. 49 is a total. I think as Daigle expressed earlier, by law, the Vikings are required to play in one-score games. Regardless of their opponent, they must play to the median performance level in order to sustain order in the universe um both clubs here coming off of many winning streaks you could say entering play um kind of feels like a coin flip game though i mean i think the vikings do what they do they are going to come out and uh in the cough i'm going to come out and try to run the football as they always do and by not doing that well which i think is probably what's going to happen the niners have some success slowing them down the Vikings then fall ass backwards into their most efficient offensive set, and that is throwing the football uh, often, as Daigle expressed earlier with Kirk Cousins' love. Uh, you know, there is nothing not to love about uh, Justin Jefferson. He is a grown-ass man and will absolutely ball out, and that's really how to beat the Niners. They are pretty stout against the run and can be, can be beat uh, pretty easily with chunk plays in the passing game. Um, again, despite having Dalvin Cook, Minnesota 29th in rush, Offensive DVOA, 29th in rushing success rate, second in passing offensive DVOA on the season. Uh, I took Minnesota plus three and a half. I think three is still a play. I think points are going to be had here too because I think see, uh, the Niners run the ball with some success. So I think 48s, 49s are in play uh, from a total standpoint. Dago, but what are your thoughts on this matchup? So Kirk Cousins – moment in realizing the Vikings literally can't win without him being aggressive. And Mike Zimmer agrees with them, uh, has proven fruitful for both sides. Uh, now quarterbacks have averaged 37 pass attempts per game in Minnesota's last four contests. And coincidentally that overlaps with the Vikings change or the 49ers changing their offense. Garoppolo has averaged a league high 10 yards per attempt from a clean pocket over the last month. And he gets that clean pocket because Kyle Shanahan increased their shotgun usage from 25th overall in the league, 55%, through their first seven games to after the bye, 62%, because Garoppolo just can't run. Like, he does not mobile like Trey Lance is. So they alternate the offense for him, and thus they became better. We're also getting Debo Samuels, nine touches, all came from the backfield. We mentioned this earlier. Uh, even his 15-yard catch, he was lined as a running back. And so, like, even Brandon Ayuk, has a high ceiling and higher floor. Debo Samuel, still the same wide receiver one. George Kittle has scored in not only back-to-back games for the first time in his career, but back-to-back-to-back games for the first time in his career. And everything is genuinely just clicking for the 49ers. So uh, I really like the over in this game quite a bit. I think it's a great DFS stacking game. And DFS, like it goes beyond this show, no offense, because now it's become a game theory thing where like you have to talk about what your opponents are doing. And so if everyone stacks this game, you no longer have to stack this game. It becomes leverage like on Jeff Wilson or Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell, who I think just becomes 
Jeff Wilson with 20-plus carries and returning the moment he's available to play. Otherwise, it goes to Jeff Wilson. Nonetheless, I like the over in this game overall, 48-49. I think the total should be 51, and so that's where I lean right now. Connor, thoughts here, buddy? Uh, I, I like the Vikings team total over. I think that that was my my side here. Uh, over 23 points in 7 of 10 games. San Francisco just 11th in DVOA, 22nd in passing DVOA. I mean, Kirk's been playing great, as you mentioned, and, and a lot of the factors that you guys mentioned there. Um, I think the issue with taking the Vikings outright, Minnesota run D, 27th in run D DVOA, last in just the line yards. The Niners love to run the ball, should have plenty of success here. Uh, so it's, it's tough for me to back the Vikings, but I would lean towards the over, and I like their team total over. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like the 23 over. I, I get it. I mean, I think the Niners have success running the ball. It's kind of why I think the Vikings maybe have to play catch up. And I think that that actually from this cap, I think that works in their favor because it forces them to not try to, to stuff Dalvin into the line over and over again. So again, getting the ball into the hands of Justin Jefferson, I think is probably advantageous. So I can uh, chase you there with the 23. I think that makes uh, a ton of sense. This next one, Cleveland on the road in the division again at Baltimore. Baltimore minus three and a half. 46 is the total here. Again, another close divisional line here for a Sunday night game. Lamar came out today, said he is 120% playing this week, which is a lot of percentage. Um, I think that means he is going to play here. Um, Pulled out a win last week against the Bears without him. Not super hard to do, but... um, just like the Ravens, the Browns did not get much out of their starting quarterback last week. I think the bigger concern here for me is the Broncos, or I'm sorry, the Browns defense. Like we had really high expectations of them coming into the season. They got a lot of names on paper that jump out the screen to you. The guys that spend a lot of money on free agency and they're really disappointing. They are able to get a ton of pressure. And I think sometimes that, and that matters, right? If that you're going to have one skill, that is a great skill to have. Uh, overall, though, like if they don't get home, they're in trouble. They're 26th in EPA per play on the season, 24th in both uh, points per drive allowed and DVOA. It just really have underperformed expectations, and it's not enough when your quarterback is playing like Baker is playing here. Uh, the offense here, really other than that Cincinnati game, if you look at like the last 5-6 Browns game, uh, they had they hung like 41 that game. Actually, that was the game you guys were here. We, we watched a, a lot of that Browns. Bengals game, but even that involved pick sixes. Otherwise, you're looking at like 7, 10, 13 from the Browns. I don't think they've topped 13 other than that uh, Cincinnati game, Tegel. Uh, thoughts here in this matchup? Uh, I know you're juicy on Lamar. Uh, again, if he's going to be the MVP here, he probably needs to, to win this division. Well, juicy on Lamar, but also we just don't know if they'll need to be pushed in this game. We have no idea yet who's playing on Sunday night, and that's a big issue because right now, it's not only Jarvis Landry who hasn't practiced, it's Donovan Peoples-Jones and Anthony Schwartz as well. So it could be Rashad Higgins and literally Demetric Felton as their wide receivers. They are getting back Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, it sounds like. So that's promising. Kareem Hunt probably to be used as a receiver at necessity. But overall, you have to still like the Ravens at home, even though their defense has not performed well with Lamar Jackson and Marquise Brown back since they both returned to practice this week. Uh, Connor, thoughts here on the Ravens-Browns matchup? I, I would leave Baltimore. You're able to find some like three and a halfs too in, in the market here. I think that at three and a half, you're, I'm interested. Um, Cleveland, 24th in DVOA defensively, uh, and their the offense I think has been you know fairly anemic right as of late. And so, especially with a banged up Baker, I mean Baker wasn't good when he was healthy. So I mean if he's you know banged up, it's really not. I mean 
not a, a pretty sight. But then on the other hand, Baltimore defense is not that good either. Twenty uh, seventh DVOA right now, so they've, they've really not been uh, on point. Uh, so I, I lead Baltimore here, but uh, it's probably. It, I mean, it's tough. It's like, I think the margin here is, is pretty thin. So if you're able to get a three by close, I'd definitely take that. But um, three and a half, I, I lean Baltimore still. I don't think we're going to see threes. I think this is going probably. the other way. Yeah. yeah. All right, Thanksgiving. We're at that point. Uh, we can buzz through these in 10 minutes, get Daigle to uh, his next show. We appreciate you staying longer, buddy, and hanging out with us here. We'll start with the gross one to start. We have the Bears and Lions. Lions, three-point fa- three dogs at home. 41.5 is the total. Finally know the quarterback situation, Dalton versus Goff. The fact that it didn't matter in the market, I think, is indicative of the situation. Like, the books didn't care. They hung out uh, plus three with Tim Boyle. Uh, again, if the Lions are going to win this season, this is the spot. Uh, remaining home games in Minnesota, Arizona, Green Bay. They travel to Atlanta. They travel to Seattle. Um, no one wants to to beat a team that takes the first L. So this is going to be the spot if the Lions do so. I don't think they do so. Uh, but Daigle kicks off. What are your thoughts here on uh, Thanksgiving opener? All six of these teams lost last week. So congratulations. Welcome to the Thanksgiving slate. Jared Goff is probably going to start, but we have seen the past two weeks since the bye, Dan Campbell said he took over play calling duties. And in that time, they were already, by the way, before their bye, run heavy. 55% run play rate neutral game script. Since that time, though, dipped all, all the way down to a 43% pass play rate, which is genuinely a bottom four rate in the entire league. All they do now is run the ball when they're within one score. And let's be honest, we don't know which team is going to have a lead or be more than two scores up in a Bears versus Lions contest. Uh, Even in that game two weeks ago against the Steelers in a tie, they called 39 carries to 25 passes. So overall, we expect it to be a boring, slow, run-heavy game. That's kind of what we're banking on. Uh, Detroit's defense was one of the worst in the leagues as well before running into Mason Rudolph and Baker Mayfield just served up on a platter, just served up for free for everyone to appetize on, allowing 30.8 points per game prior to their bye, prior to running into those two quarterbacks. So overall, I still think it's a, a game that perhaps the Bears have offensive success if they haven't quit on Matt Nagy altogether, but it's going to be an ugly one for sure. Yeah, even though we're at 41 and a half, it feels really light, Connor. Uh, you know, you could see this being a, a 17 10 spot for sure. Uh, any thoughts here on Bears Lions to start off Thanksgiving? Uh, I mean, I, I have a, a few. I think that the, I think that I like the Bears here at three with, with Dalton. I mean, no surprise, fading the. Fading the Lions. I'm not again. even shaking my head because I disagree. I'm shaking my head because, like, you're probably right, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I just – so when you kind of break it down, like, the the Bears had so much success running the ball last time they went out, and now they're in a very similar situation where they're probably going to feed Montgomery. They're probably going to have plenty of success again. Um, on the other hand, though, I do think that the Lions could have a little success running the ball now with the key mix out, and, you know, the Bears' defense not as strong. There was a pretty big split without with key mix out. Uh, you know, he's – he actually matters, I think, uh, you know, in a big way for their run defense. But just in general, I think that the Bears are probably the side here at three. Um, I took a, a pass attempt prop here for Andy Dalton under 30 and a half pass attempts. Uh, I just don't think that this game is fast-paced enough for either quarterback to hit the over on that, and they're going to both want to run the ball enough that, you know, I mean, with a banged-up Jared Goff, who's likely to start at this point, I think that, you know, unders on that are the play. Lean Montgomery overs, I think those are interesting, but uh, I haven't – had the stomach to take those. They're a little bit high. 
Yeah, the Montgomery rushing attempts number 17 and a half is very intriguing. Um, we haven't projected for just a tick, even like 19 and change. Not a ton of value there. He hasn't been – last time he's topped that, again, he's missed a bunch of games, was, again, the Lions game the first time they met. But I think that's the only other time this season that he's topped 17 and a half. So uh, a little thin as a play, but, again, these props are dying so fast uh, in the markets. On- uh, did, did you talk about Jimmy Graham um, prop? Connor, you do not, right? I did not. No, but that's a good, that's a good one. I looked at that. Yeah, so Jimmy Graham right now in the 4 for 4 prop tool is the number one prop because I, I don't even know. It's behind a paywall, but screw it. You can John talk Paul. about it. It's all right. I'm sorry, Paulson. <laughs> I'm going to give away your secrets. Uh, Paulson projects Jimmy Graham for around 26, 28 yards, and his prop anywhere you look is five and a half, six and a half yards. So it's literally the number one prop right now available. So even if you're waking up and listening to this in the morning, if you look at your book and see single digits, you should bet it. It's that simple. Just bet it. Yeah. Line bet on Jimmy. That's, that's, you know, food, family, football, and Jimmy Graham overs. I mean. Six and a half yards is one catch. Who cares? It is one, yeah. one catch. Like, ignore your family, use your peripherals, and watch Jimmy Graham catch a seven-yard catch and pay you money. That's it. Dude, yeah, I'm in on that. I, I was thinking about firing that. I, I mean, it's just it's literally one catch. Like, he's going to see three or four targets, so. He always sees – that's the thing about Cole Komet. That's why you can't play him in DFS because he doesn't get any, like, red zone targets. They literally put in Jimmy Graham inside the 20. And I don't know if you know this, but there are 20 yards between the 20-yard line and the goal line. I heard line. that. I heard that's that. why it's called the red zone. So just play that. <laughs> just play Jimmy Graham. Interesting. I have not uh, checked the math on that before. Yeah, we, learn we... New, we learn new things every day. Yeah. Might edit that out in case it doesn't check out. But uh seems good off the top. All right, next one. Uh, Raiders – in Dallas, Dallas all the way up to eight in most spots now. 51 is the total. Uh, Dallas obviously struggled last week, especially in the second half when C.D. Lamb went out. Defense played really well, though, uh, all things considered. Offensive line issues were a problem, though. Tyron Smith, uh, questionable. If he's back, that is a big difference. I don't really know who the Raiders are, to be honest. I mean, they've done this a lot lately. The last few years, we get this, like, overachieving performance early in the season. Wheels come falling off around this time. This season was way different, obviously, with the off-the-field stuff uh, with Gruden and Henry Ruggs, uh, you know, really relentless off-the-field news and has obviously impacted the team in the locker room in a big, big way. And they've been bad. I mean, on the field, middling, basically, on both sides of the ball, 21st in offensive EPA, 20th in defensive EPA, Carr. Early season, uh, I think efficiency is kind of even pretending that that's better than it is because he's been bad lately. Since week eight, his success rate is below 50%. He has a negative EPA per play and a negative completion percentage over expectation. They have been really bad. Um, Problem is, is this line feels inflated. I I feel better about the Cowboys a little bit if C.D. Lamb is back, Um, unless you really think that the Raiders are donezo. this is kind of going to continue to climb, I think, as we get closer to game time. Uh, Daigle, kick us off here. Talk to me about the Cowboys. It's interesting you said that because I had a good friend, a betting friend, uh, someone I do college betting with, text me mid-show and say, hey, I have a $500 free bet. Um, it's the Cowboys minus 7.5, right? And I was like, ah, wait a minute. Because the way the Raiders play defense, it actually matches up really well with the Cowboys. It's also very good leverage in DFS. Because everyone, everyone is going to play the Cowboys offense as the most rostered team tomorrow on Thanksgiving. And 
just the fact that Gus Bradley's already talked about pressing their receivers on third down, that tells us they're going to play more man-to-man, which Dak has struggled with against all year. Also for the Raiders offense, there are two sides to this, and you can paint it however you want, but there are two double-edged sword here. It's that Derek Carr has averaged 10.5 yards per attempt against man coverage this year, and that's the type of scheme that the Cowboys have run at a top three rate in the league. But also recall in their first seven games, the Raiders, only Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields were averaging a higher rate of attempts downfield. Whereas without Henry Ruggs the past three games, since Las Vegas' bye, Carr is 24th in the league in rate of throws downfield and literally just four of 10 on set attempts in that span. They just aren't even going downfield, let alone connecting downfield with that Henry Ruggs. And so like, if they want to attack downfield against the Cowboys, they can successfully. It's just a matter of if they do. And we've seen Deshaun Jackson like eased in slowly, 18% of snaps with four routes and 34% of snaps with 10 routes. So will he have a bigger role? Will he be the one that helps them out? Because clearly Zay Jones, Brian Edwards combined for six catches for 150 yards in the last three games. They just aren't, that's like, they're not NFL receivers. That's what's happening right now. So overall, like the Raiders, if they attack, they can compete genuinely. They can cover here. And I preferred the Raiders covering than the Cowboys covering the hook. But I still somewhat worry that with Tyron Smith back, maybe the Cowboys still hold it back and say, we don't even need our receivers. We can just run like Joe Mixon against the Raiders and uh, deploy Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard together in DFS, together in DFS, uh, and just run over the Raiders. I got a Pollard prop uh, last night, but it's dead now. Um, I think it's yeah. up in uh, the Pollard's like becoming one of the most popular players on the slate, and I hate it. I hated it a lot. I, I thought he was going to be unique. He's not unique at all because everyone's sharp now. That's why you have to play them together. You have to. Interesting. Dig, we're going to let you get out of here. Connor and I will uh, tackle the next one. I think you can do uh, one of the legs in the next one with the Cowboys is maybe uh, a little bit of a long teaser if you wanted to get a little bit down. Uh, tease the Cowboys under the three and maybe take the Bills as a pick. Uh, that could be an interesting way to, to get some Thanksgiving action. And I still like the Bills in the following game. But more importantly, bet the under, under 45 and a half, under 46, whatever you get it at. That's my favorite bet on the week. And uh, I, we don't know about Tony Jones, but Tony Jones bets over unders are like Zach Moss over unders. We expect Zach Moss to be healthy scratch. So like just max them out because you're most likely going to get your money back no matter what. And then um, we believe Mark Ingram was going to get rolled out. Uh, Nick Underhill said if he had to guess one, he believes Nick uh, Mark Ingram will get rolled out. Thus, Tony Jones props right now are pretty safe. All right, my friends. Appreciate you hanging out with us. Uh, tell everyone real quick where they can find all your stuff and they can find the next show that you're leaving for. One time, uh, Paul Rudd showed up on Conan O'Brien and when they asked him to play a movie clip that he was just recently in, he played instead an 80s film with like an alien in a bike basket going off a hill into the ocean. And Conan O'Brien was bent over laughing and said, what the hell was that? And Rudd said, like, come on, man. It's too transparent for me to say what I do, where I'm from. Like, everyone knows I'm here to prop my movie. But also, I was in the movie. What else would I say if I was in the movie? It's a piece of shit? Of course not. So, you don't need to find me. I'm okay. Don't worry about me. I'll be good. I'm glad everyone tuned in. This is my Alien in a Bike Basket film. I don't care. So, happy Thanksgiving. This is the most Daigle answer ever. holidays to everyone. It doesn't matter. We're all going to be happy. So, thank you for everyone having me on. I will talk to you all soon. Thank you. (laughs) 
Uh, opinions don't matter. Uh, it's a Daigle classic line too. So that's a that's a perfect uh, perfect Daigle exits. Uh, what a what a guy. Uh, all right, Connor, Bill Saints to wrap us up. Look at look at Sal. What a professional. We got a two man box here. Redid the. I mean, this guy is Luis underpaid. Uh, you know, take care of Sal here. Uh, six point spread here on the Bill side. Forty five and a half is the total. As Daigle already told you, uh, take the under here. Obviously, a lot of questions going on on the Saints side. Uh, the Bills continue to, I think, disappoint. At least, you know, I continue to talk about the Bills being a uh, Super Bowl contender. I'm not quite sure what's going on with them. I try to avoid the Saints. I backed them last week in a terrible way. I just don't want anything to do with Saints game moving forward. Connor, any thoughts on the uh, the Bills, Saints, uh, Bills minus six? Um, admittedly, I think that I don't have too much on the game, but I have a lot of props. I have like four or five props on this game already. I think, you know, well, maybe not that many, but I have a lot. Um, I do lean Buffalo. Uh, I think this just should just be generally a tougher game for the Saints passing attack. And that kind of like shaped my, um, you know, view on, on kind of like how this game's going to go. Because if you look at who Trevor Simeon has played against so far, um, it's really been kind of like, you know, cupcake to average teams. Uh, and I don't really think that that's like, you know, representative of what this Bills team is here. So he's matched up against Atlanta, 29th in pass DVOA, Philly, 18th in pass DVOA, Tennessee, 13th in pass DVOA. Now playing against the Bills, number one pass DVOA, second in explosive pass rate allowed, and fifth in pass rush win rate. So for me, I just think that this passing game is just going to struggle mightily. And so you're looking at, I took Marquez Callaway under 37 and a half receiving yards. I think that that is a solid play. He's had fewer targets than both. Deontay Harris and Traquan Smith since Simeon took over. He's had fewer than 37 receiving yards in all of those three games against easier opponents. And now this we're up against the Bills. So uh, I think that's an interesting one for sure. Um, and I got a, a few other ones too. We played Beasley under, Cole Beasley under again. Uh, if I got it at 46 and a half, it's at like 41 and a half now in most spots. He played 57% of the snaps last week. Um, and I think his ribs are still kind of an issue. I think on a short week. I can't imagine they're going to dramatically increase his workload. So, I mean, maybe hits the 60% mark, but still like, you know, they had to go massively pass heavy as they fell behind. And he still only had 57% of the snaps. I think that like, you're probably looking at 50 to 60% of the snaps again. And so for him to hit over 45 yards with this low a dot, like most of the routes he's running are just a little like behind the, behind the line of scrimmage or just like within a few yards. Like he has to catch like four or five balls to hit that. Um, so I, I just don't think he's on the field enough for that as is. And then I just fired. I know this is, Super fishy, and you'll hate it. But I just took Tony Jones to score two touchdowns uh, at twenty-two to one at DraftKings. Um, it's at eight to one at FanDuel and ten to one at PointsBet. Nice. And I mean, I mean, as, as Daigle mentioned, I think that Mark Ingram is probably going to be out. Kamara is already getting ruled out. Nick Underhill, you know, mentioned on the ETR show that he's going to be. You know, shout out Silva. I, I did not watch the show, but I got a you know someone quote tweeted it, so I'm, I'm quote tweeting the quote tweet. Um, you know that. Uh, Unreal said that he's probably 65% going to be out. And if he does play, he probably won't play much. So you're looking at Tony Jones Jr. probably being the lead guy there. Um, so I'm definitely interested in Tony Jones Jr. props too. Uh, whenever those come out, if they're in like the 30s or maybe 40s, depending on the rushing temps. So that'll be something to look for tomorrow. You're going to get cucked at the goal line by Taysom Hill here. New new man under uh, contract here. What are Taysom Hill multiple touchdown numbers at? Because that's uh, – That's actually a very interesting take too. I, I wrote that up in my Marquez Callaway thing because I think that he could play a little bit bigger of a role than like he has. Especially with like, – That uh, could dramatically alter the game plan. 
with, with especially Adam Trotman out, um, you know, you could see him taking some tight end looks or, you know, slot receiver type looks too. You know, that could be, that could be interesting. Again, they want to at least get the, squeeze a little bit out of the, uh, you know, juice out of the orange here, considering they're paying him a base salary of $40 million over the next four years. You want to get something out of him if you're not using my quarterback. So I actually like typed up a tweet and I quote tweeted Schefter's tweet and then deleted it because I was so scared that like, I was like, had gotten like catfish that like this is already had already happened and I was like man I was like there's no way that this didn't already happen I deleted the tweet I was like I don't, I don't know because I couldn't tell whether like this is something that already happened last off season or if it was new it's insane I, I he's 31 years old like we're not talking about some like 23 24 year old freak prospect that you need to lock up he's like I don't know it's so bizarre to me it's so bizarre I get that he is like big and fast he's not the first. 6'2", 220-pound guy that's fast that can throw the football. Like There are a lot of guys that never make it in the league that have that skill set. But for some reason, Taysom Hill is uh, you know, continuing to cast checks. I mean, I think the only logical solution is that Taysom Hill has like naked pictures of Sean Payton or something like that. and like, Or just like some serious fucking dirt on his family. Uh, I, I don't know. I can't think of anything else other than he's just mad blackmail. Yeah. I mean, I think he's he's interesting when he's on the field, but like this is wild. Like this, uh, that is an insane ten million dollar base deal if he never touches the ball at quarterback. Like, what are we talking about? So, I know it's NFL money. I know it's funny money because it can get cut instantly and it doesn't matter. But like again, he's thirty one. Like, I don't know. It, it's 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 strange. So, all right, my man, uh, Daigle. Uh, no one needs to find Daigle because it doesn't matter. Um, eat Arby's is what Daigle said. Um, none of it matters. Don't follow him. Don't listen to his stuff. He doesn't care. It doesn't matter. Um, Connor, yeah. any uh, any food thoughts? Any, any hot Thanksgiving food takes, which is you know a tradition. You cannot have a, a football podcast. You cannot log on to Twitter.com without any side, uh, Thanksgiving side thoughts uh, this time of year. Do you have any, uh, any things that you want to share with the guests? What's your day look like tomorrow? My, my take is that – you should try a little bit of everything and then you get seconds of what's good because I think that, you know, depending on where you go, like certain people make certain things better. And like, I think the whole, like, you know, X food is bad. is just like a bad take because like some people are good cooks and some people are shitty cooks. So like the fact that all Americans try and actually cook on this day is, I mean, probably why so many people hate Thanksgiving food because I mean, some people just don't belong in the kitchen. They should just, you know, be buying their food out and that's just not, not right. So Try a little bit of everything, see what's good, go back and just smash the seconds, get like half a plate of whatever was good. That's a pretty good take, actually, right there. You like um, that? Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. The turkey, you know, some people overcook the turkey. It's naturally maybe a little bit yeah. lean, so a little bit dry, but some people cook it good, you know, and some people make a good gravy that you can, uh, you know, throw it down on. And so, yeah, pretty good take, man. Um, all right, I brother. Know. Enjoy it. I hope all of your props come in and you get some good momentum heading into the weekend. Connor and I will be back on Friday with Prop Stars to uh, talk about the prop market as it slowly starts to emerge here over the next few hours. I'm sure they'll start to come out tomorrow too, so we will be hammering those. Again, don't forget to download and subscribe. That way you don't miss a show. Uh, you'll get both this and the prop show. So for uh, Daigle and Connor, I'm Ryan. We will see you next week. Thanks, everyone.